Welcome to Dodgers Daily. I'm Casey Porter. I'm so glad that you decided to tune in. Boy, do we have a whole bunch to talk about today. How about the extra inning game? How about Yancy Almonte coming back? How about Caleb Ferguson pitching in high leverage situations? We're going to chew on the Michael Grove start. The offense only scored in one run during regulation, then scored the one to win in extra innings. The bullpen was fantastic. And, you know, hey, like I said, Michael Grove started, so you won a start from your fifth starter in a game where your offense didn't have to carry the day for you. So that was a big deal, too. And, hey, the big news of the day, Emmett Sheehan getting promoted. We're going to talk all about him. I did mention him in our show yesterday, so I'm going to include a little bit more of that in today's show and talk about him a little bit as well. So, hey, a whole bunch to talk to. Also on the farm, Oklahoma City. We were dealing with tornadoes yesterday in the state of Oklahoma, so they did not play. And then Tulsa lost, Great Lakes won, and Rancho Cucamonga lost as well. So a lot to get to, but before we get into all of it, just a reminder, if you'd like to help Dodgers Daily by donating, scroll down to the description, click the link to the Dodgers Daily GoFundMe account. It'll take you right there to the spot where you go to where you can help Dodgers Daily by donating. Also, if you like this video and if you like this kind of content, go ahead and click that like button. Interact with this video. Keep leaving all of your wonderful comments. Again, I say it every day, but we have the most intelligent, most awesome community here at Dodgers Daily. And hey, every one of you guys, I don't want to start naming out names because I will forget somebody, but all of you guys and gals out there that leave comments every day, you guys are just awesome baseball people. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, and especially the fact that, hey, we can give our opinions respectfully. We can show up the next day and give our opinions again the next day, and it's just high-level baseball talk. I love it, so keep doing that. Okay, again, the Dodgers, boy, did they ever need that win last night. You know, the offense, like I said, they only scored one inning, but, hey, that was a grand slam, dramatic. We're going to talk about that and some of the dramatics that Chris Taylor has had over the years and a lot more. So let's not waste more time. Let's get right to it and let's talk Dodgers baseball. So the Dodgers win five to four in 11 innings. Boy, it was exciting. It looked like the Dodgers were just absolutely dead to water, man. I mean, you, you know, you had the boost from the crowd, which by the way, I don't know how you feel about that, but Hey, you know, you got a team that that's won the NOS this many years. I get it. We're the Los Angeles Dodgers, but I'm just not big on on booing your own players. I just don't think that's a real good look, and I don't think it's very effective as far as, hey, you know, uh, the, the team actually performing better. So I wasn't a big fan of the boos, but, hey, the Dodgers moved now to 39-30, and 30, and we've talked about many different times. Hey, you know, last year the Dodgers, they won the division, and they had the time off, and it didn't help because they lost to the Padres in the first round of playoffs. But I will say this, the Dodgers now are 22-11 and 11 at home and on the road. They actually have a losing record. I'm going to look at that here, 17-19 and 19 on the road. So I would say that, hey, maybe the home field advantage for the Dodgers for this year's club might be a bigger deal than clubs in the past. So I think it is important that the Dodgers win the NL West and get as many home games in the playoffs as they possibly can because the discrepancy this year between the way that they even just pitch at home versus the way they pitch on the road and certainly the wins and losses has been significant. So I think the Dodgers need to do everything they can to get as many home games in the playoffs 
as possible. Of course, you got to make the playoffs first. That's step number one. But I think we're all pretty confident that that's going to happen. So I think then that moves the discussion to, hey, how many? How can you get as many home games as possible? The D-backs, thank you, Phillies. They have beat the D-backs three games in a row, and now the Dodgers are just down two games, and now the, the D-backs have the Guardians. So hey, we talked about this being the part of the season to where the Dodgers could make some hay, and you know, being at home especially. And so maybe you're about maybe like a game back at the end of June, maybe even tied closer than that. You would certainly take that. And then, like we said, the the schedules, the Dodgers definitely have the easier schedule going forward. And also, here's another aspect of that. Hey, you know, the Giants have been absolutely on fire. The Dodgers are just two and a half games ahead of San Francisco uh, right now. The, uh, the Giants have won seven out of their last 10 games. And the Diamondbacks, before they lost the three games to the Phillies, they had been just super hot. So, you know, hey, I've said a couple of times that the Diamondbacks aren't going anywhere. The Dodgers can't rely on the Diamondbacks just to fall apart. And I, I, don't, I will stand by that, you know, to, to the nth degree. But having said that, I do think they will cool off and there will be a period – you know, the Dodgers, you know, the Diamondbacks got hot, and so the, the Giants, right when the Dodgers started not being hot. So there was kind of the perfect storm for the Dodgers to lose their first place, you know, their first place standing. That will flip back around, you know, probably several different times, but I think there will also be a period here probably in the near future where the Diamondbacks go on one of those little skids, same with the Giants, and it's at the exact same time that the Dodgers win a whole bunch of games in a row. And if you're only maybe a game back when that happens, like the Dodgers hope to be here before too long or even tied in the division, that opens up your four or five game lead in the division. Then you win it from there. And, you know, hey, like I said, iron sharpens iron. And you've had a good season because you've been challenged enough to where you've had to stay sharp all season. The front office, hey, I've talked about it. One of the the good parts, you know, the silver linings to the Dodgers not being in first place, I've actually talked about this on multiple podcasts, is that it keeps the Dodgers front office in win-now mode, okay? They can't go big picture mode as much as they'd like to. Well, how about promoting Emmett Sheehan. We're going to talk about all that. I know Landon Knack could have been promoted as well. He just got promoted to AAA. We're going to talk about why the Dodgers and the organization chose Emmett Sheehan over Landon Knack later on in the show. Okay, as far as last night's game, Michael Grove, the starter. Here is some of the significance of the Dodgers, the, the win last night. First of all, you want, a, you want a game in which your number five starter started, your offense didn't play very well, okay, and it didn't carry the day, and then your bullpen came in and was very good. Caleb Ferguson pitched in high-leverage situations, and then Yancy Almonte got to come back and get the bad taste out of his mouth from Wednesday. So from that perspective, you know, we talk about being even keel. You can't get too high or can't get too low. But within that structure, you do look for, you know, parts of the process that make you feel like you're building. Those were huge parts of the process. Winning a game when your number five starter, Michael Grove, we saw him give up the four solo home runs. Winning a game when he pitches and not having to do it with your offense by scoring 10 or 11 runs, by doing it only scoring four runs and regulation, and then Yincy Almonte coming back and having a bounce back and showing Caleb Ferguson, uh, showing the world that, hey, he can handle the high leverage situations. There were some games inside the games 
that were very, very exciting and very encouraging for the Dodgers last night. And so for that perspective, hey, that was a big win. Plus the Dodgers, they needed to win. The Diamondbacks lost. And it was just, you know, the way it happened with the Grand Slam by by CT3. We're going to talk about some of his dramatics as well here in a minute. It was just a really good win. But like I said, can't get too high, can't get too low. But there were parts of it that were very encouraging and very exciting. Okay, Michael Grove, the way that I would describe his outing last night, not disastrous. I've talked about the formula many different times. Now, he didn't hit the benchmark of six innings. I think he could have. I think that Doc put in Shelby Miller because he knew that the Dodgers were going to bring up Emmett Sheehan, uh, Emmett Sheehan for the Friday start, so he knew he had that buffer. But I do think Michael Grove could have went out in the sixth inning and strung a zero. His last two innings were the two best innings maybe he's pitched as a Dodger. He was not only throwing strikes, but he was throwing quality strikes, getting good swing and miss. Okay, so like I said, not disastrous. It you know it kept the, the team in the game enough to where they were still within striking distance of which they struck. Okay, so just, you know, again, Michael Grove, there is a lot, a lot of good that you see with him. He touched 99 once last night. I do believe I saw that. Okay, but he was 97 on multiple occasions, you know, 98. So the big fastball, the slider is really good. The curveball is a good get-me-over pitch for him. Okay, so you saw the all the, the really good. It's just, I don't know if it's unfortunate for him right now or if it's just way too many mistakes. But, hey, the mistakes that he's are making are just, they're glaring right now. I mean, four solo home runs. You know, boy, that tested the old theory that solo home runs don't beat you last night. Well, how about giving up four of them? And then, you know, he still won the game. So that tested that theory out to be, you know, correct last night in just about the most stressful way you possibly could. So when you look at Michael Grove and you take all the good, okay, you just think, man, if we could just eliminate the four or five mistakes, he makes a game. Now you can't because those are part of it. That's why he gave up the four runs. That's why the Dodgers were losing the game when he exited. But but you get to thinking, hey, man, that's not an arm. That's not a guy that you just say, hey, go back to AAA oblivion and forget it. We never want to see again. That's not a talent that you do that with. That's a guy that, within the structure of still having to win games, like the Dodgers did last night, you figure out how to eliminate the mistakes, you capitalize on all the great stuff that he did, and you see if you can't make, you know, get the best version of Michael Grove eventually at the, at the major league level. Because we've seen, you know, the top end of Michael Grove is really, really good at this level. He had seven strikeouts and just one walk last night. But the bad is, you know, his mistakes aren't, well, you know, I gave up a single up the middle. His mistakes are I gave up four home runs. So, you know, it's just one of those deals to where you're trying to win a division. You know, you're not you're you're in second place in the division, but yet you're trying to give leeway to a guy that needs some runway to work through some issues that he's having, giving up, you know, home runs. And so it's just a it's a stressful dynamic, I assure you, for the front office, for Dave Roberts. That is a stressful dynamic, how to continue to, you know, because like I said, you don't take the 98, the 97, you know, and you don't throw that away when he has the big off-speed stuff. He's a tremendous athlete. He was an awesome football player back in high school. You don't take that and just throw it away. But also, you can't just throw them out there and lose games whenever you're trying to win a division when, like I said earlier, you're that much better at home than you are on the road. So, man, 
the, the, the front office has their work cut out for them ahead uh, ahead of them for how to continue to incorporate Michael Grove into this situation while also putting the team in the best position to win games. My formula is the starter goes six innings, gives up no more than four four runs. Okay, well, Grove went five, he gave up four. That played out last night. If the bullpen does its job, the offense is going to slug enough to win games. You're going to win 75, 80% of those games. That proved to be the case last night, although it had not been in the recent past. Okay, let's get to it. Emmett Sheehan, why did he get promoted over Landon Knack? I've stated a couple times that Landon Knack probably is the most major league ready pitcher right now, and the reason is he can land four pitches for strikes in the strike zone. So why was Emmett Sheehan chosen over Landon Knack? It's very simple. I'm going to give you two examples. Gavin Stone, Bobby Miller. Gavin Stone's a guy that relies on location and movement and not velo to get outs, okay? Whereas Bobby Miller has a 99-mile-hour sinker where he can overpower even major league hitters, especially when it's giving him a little bit of right turn to it. So when you look at that, which guy had much more success at the major league level, Gavin Stone or Bobby Miller? It's not even close, Bobby Miller. Well, which one of the guys between Landon Knack and Emmett Sheehan more closely resembles Bobby Miller. That would easily be Emmett Sheehan. I have said, you know, even with Bobby Miller's fastball, of course, now that Miller's thrown the two seam, I think it's probably neck and neck. But Emmett Sheehan, you know, he has that three-quarter slot. So he has that ride and run and a little bit of right turn to his four seam. Well, guess what that emulates the closest? That emulates Bobby Miller's two seam right turn to that. Sheehan can hit 97, 98. He's hit 99 in the past now. That was with his four seam. Okay, so he has a pitch, that fastball, that can emulate, you know, that that two seam that Bobby Miller has been so successful with. Whereas the last time I saw Landon Ack, he was 93. Now he has reached 96. Okay, so I think they went with the guy that has the most margin for error with his stuff. Emmett Sheehan definitely has the most explosive stuff. You know, he has the stuff that's going to give him the largest margin for error because he's going to be able to get swing and miss. As a matter of fact, Emmett Sheehan has 88 strikeouts and 53.1 innings this year. So, you know, hey, even if he goes up and he's not perfect to a hitter and say he walks a guy and or a guy gets a hit, okay, he's going to be able to strike guys out and he's going to be able to have that type of buffer and cushion to his game to where I don't think, you know, at this point, Landon Knack, he wouldn't have that buffer. He's going to have to be a little bit more perfect. And if you have nerves, if you're nervous, if the strike zone's a little we talked about this, you know, just yesterday with, with guys that have to rely on movement and location. Well, if you're a little bit nervous and or if the strike zone's not quite as big, you know, or if the other team's not swinging at pitches that are outside the zone, it's a little tougher on those guys to have success. So I just think they went with, with Sheehan because he has the he has more margin for error because his fastball is so explosive and they have visual evidence bringing up pitchers as of late. With Bobby Miller, the guys with the, the, the stuff that has more margin for error has worked better than the Gavin Stone deal did where you're relying on movement and location, that type of deal. So I think Knack would be closer to the Stone type of pitcher and Sheehan would be closer to the Bobby Miller type of pitcher. And with the two scenarios they've seen, you know, not only did, did Stone struggle at the major league level, he still hasn't recovered. 
He's still giving up runs at the AAA level, so I don't think they wanted a repeat of that situation. Landon Knack, you know, he was injured all last year. He's had a wonderful year this year. Congratulations getting promoted. The last thing they want to do is set him back at this point, you know, because he has made so much progress this year. And, hey, you will see Landon Knack in the major leagues. Don't worry about that. It's just not going to be today. And so from that perspective, I'm very excited because when you look at the future of this pitching staff, man, all these double A guys are getting closer and your future, no doubt about it. Save a Gavin Stone, your future as far as your pitching goes, especially at the starting level, is at the double A level. And hey, all of those guys, River Ryan, Nick Frasso, Kyle Hurt, all these guys at the double A level, I don't want to leave anybody off. Okay. They were given a message loud and clear yesterday. Hey boys, you're a lot closer to the major leagues than you think. So, hey, that's our show. As far as the the big Dodgers go, the L.A. Dodgers, what an exciting game it was last night. Time to transfer now to the minor league system. Again, Oklahoma City rained out. Tulsa lost. Great Lakes won. Rancho lost their game. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it, and let's take a trip down on the farm. There wasn't a whole lot to talk about in the AA Tulsa game last night. They only scored one run and lost 4-1 to one to the Springfield Cardinals. But, hey, who you're seeing right here is Austin Gothier, who had a triple last night. That moved his average to 304 at the AA level. Okay, so since he's been promoted to AA Tulsa, he's hitting 304. His OPS with the AA Drillers is 925. Gothier, no doubt about it, has been one of the best offensive players in the minor leagues. Overall, between two levels, high A Great Lakes and double A Tulsa, he's hitting 348. His OPS is 1019. Again, that's between two levels at high A Great Lakes and double A Tulsa. So, hey, keep raking Gator. The pitching performance of the day for the double A drillers came from left handed pitcher out of Georgia, Ben Harris. He went scoreless again, which makes his seventh scoreless performance of his last eight and 11 out of 13. Harris is known for a strikeout rate, no doubt about it. He had the highest strikeout rate of any pitcher as far as per innings pitch last year of any pitcher in all of baseball. So he is definitely known for a strikeout rate. Ben Harris is. Okay, and he has 12K so far this month in June in just 6.1 innings. And, okay, just like last year, he's striking a lot of guys out. He has 37 strikeouts in 21.2 innings so far total on the year. So Ben Harris, hey, keep striking guys out and keep having those scoreless outings. The Great Lakes Loons scored two in the first inning, one in the fifth, and that was all they needed to overtake the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers last night, 3-2, to two, to move their record to 41-18 and 18 on the season. They have already qualified for the postseason as they won the first half mid, uh, uh, Midwest League. You know, in the minor leagues, let me back up and explain this. In the minor leagues, they have two halves because they have so much movement as far as roster movement. So if you win the first half or the second half in your division and or league, then you qualify for the playoffs. So just like last year, the Great Lakes, they won the first half of the Midwest League. They qualified for the playoffs. They did that again this year. So congratulations to the Loons with a wonderful 41 and 18 record. So basically the only down part of that is the second half of the season because they've already qualified for the playoffs. They're just basically playing games just to play games because it has no impact on their postseason status at all. But hey, you know, if you're a competitor, you show up and of course these guys are playing to make the major league. So 
that's really not an issue because, you know, yeah, hey, winning, you have to learn how to win and all that. And it's funner to be on a winning team than it is a losing team. So all of that is great. But still, these guys have greater goals. And that is, hey, like we're going to see with Emmett Sheehan today, to make the major leagues. Okay, Bubba Aline had a hit. Alex Freedom, we're going to talk about him in a minute. In a minute, had a couple of hits. And who you're seeing right here is Damon Keith, who had a couple of doubles last night for IA Great Lakes. Keith is hitting 360 so far in June. His OPS is 967, and he has hits in six of his last seven games, and he's eight for his last 16 with four doubles, a home run, seven RBIs, 15 total bases during that period. So Damon Keith, I've talked about it a couple times. Hey, you know, you can always tell when a guy's playing good because he starts popping up on this show seemingly every day. Damon Keith has been one of those guys. And it's not like, hey, he's just, you know, of course, he did have the, the hit to right field that just kind of found a, a right spot. This one right there. But for the most part, man, he is really slugging the baseball. He's hitting the baseball hard. Like I said, he's hitting doubles. He's hitting home runs. He's driving in runs. He's getting a lot of total bases, which I like because that tells you, you know, just the impact you're having on the other team when you when you have a lot of total bases. So, hey, Damon, keep, keep raking. It's your daily update on shortstop prospect Alex Freeland. You know how high I am on him, and boy, has he been playing well. Another guy that seemingly is on Dodgers daily every day. You know, nowadays, he had a couple of hits again last night, a couple of knocks for the Loons. That's his third multi-hit game in the last four. That would tell you why he's been on Dodgers daily so much as of late. And he's also six for his last 17 with a home run, three RBIs, nine total bases. And how about this? Okay, Alex Freeland, he's raised his average 60 points since May 16th. So in about a month, he's raised his average 60 points. And he, you know, if he could duplicate that from here on out, he'd hit over 400, right? Of course, that's not going to happen. I just joke, but hey, Alex Freeland, what a talent he is. Switch hitter, so much power. He has that ability. You know, he, he kind of has that Corey Seager feel to him in the sense that he has the ability to hit some home runs, but then he also, you know, could could you know hit for a good average and then play you know a solid defense at shortstop very good athlete though alex freeland's a very very good athlete so very high on him and like i said he's been on dodgers daily quite a bit as of late and that's always a good thing because that means you're playing very well jake vogel one of the fastest prospects in the organization not going to sugarcoat it hey the offense just simply hasn't quite come around for him in his career yet not just this year but look at that swing right there very compact very short nothing can really go wrong with it so when you evaluate that with his speed and all the tools that he has hey you hit the ball up the middle right there you, you think well you wonder why the average isn't higher than it is so you just keep putting them out there and you figure at least at some point with those tools with that you know that easy swing right there that compact swing that uncomplicated swing you figure at some point that offense will come around you keep throwing them out there and you keep raising them level after level to get him used to the competition and let that speed take over one day because you know he's a very good outfielder because of that very good speed he has so hey last night it was good to see jake vogel get two hits four great lakes and he has hits in four games in a row and five out of his last six so hopefully it's clicking for jake vogel jermaine rosario if you remember some of the conversations we've had about him the one thing i always say is hey he's up and down man he's like a roller coaster 
You know, hey, one game he's liable to go out and throw out uh, basically a no-hitter, and then the next game he's liable not even to get out of the first inning. Well, last night he was on, man. He went five innings. He gave up no runs. He struck out eight, and he walked just one. So, man, we you know, he's like a lot of these younger international pitchers. They run pretty pretty hot, you know, hot-tempered, and, you know, they they're, they get very emotional behind the way they pitch, and they like to ride adrenaline, which is why whenever they're good, it's really good, but whenever it, it kind of starts falling off sideways, it can fall off sideways pretty hard. So, hey, last night, Jermaine Rosario caught a lot of positive momentum. He rode it to a great performance, and like I always say about him, Hey, man, when he is on, he is absolutely on. And last night, no doubt about it, he was on top of his game. Jermaine Rosario, great job, young man. Hey, let's string a whole bunch of these together. Benoni Robles, you can see him right here. He goes up a ways, man. He's a pretty big dude, and he's left-handed. So, you know, kind of like John Rooney, those guys that are big and, you know, they're left-handed, they have good extension, they are going to get opportunity after opportunity after opportunity because those type of guys – don't just fall off the trees everywhere. So Robles went scoreless last night. He recorded his second save of 2023. That was fun to watch. And Robles has gone scoreless in two games in a row and seven of his last eight. So good job, Benoni Robles. I've really learned to become a fan of Jack Dreyer this year, the young man out of Iowa who has always fought injury. Man, you talk about a story of resilience. You know, we always talk about minor leagues and it being a grind. You talk about a grinder. That is Jack Dreyer. If you can't root for him, you can't root for anybody because he has just continued to grind, continued to just – you know, day after day, work his way back into a situation to where he can get back on the mound. And lo and behold, it is paying off for him this season. He threw a scoreless inning for High Great Lakes, and this was his third hold of the season. I guess that's a new stat. I don't know if it's new or not, but hey, you have saves and you have holds and you have wins and all that kind of stuff. So he got his third hold of the season. He had two strikeouts of his three outs last night you know, in his one inning of work. So good stuff, getting a lot of swing and miss. And now Jack Dreyer has 27 strikeouts and 22.2 innings. So another left-hander like Ben Harris in the system. As a matter of fact, every time I watch him, I keep thinking I'm seeing Ben Harris. He just, they look very like, very much alike. And look, watch how he drops the ball here. Look how he, that's very deceptive because he hides that ball. It goes behind his back and then the hitter doesn't see it until it's already out of his hand. And so that makes it very deceptive, which has really, Really helped him get those 27 strikeouts in 22.2 innings. Dreyer's ERA, 199. So not only has he struck a lot of guys out, his ERA also has been very good. And he's gone 19 outings in, or excuse me, nine outings in a row, scoreless. And he's gone scoreless and 16 of his last 17. So Jack Dreyer, young man, I cannot tell you how much respect I have for you. Keep up the great work. I am, you know, here at Dodgers Daily, and I'm sure all Dodgers fans, we're rooting for you, brother. Rancho scored three runs in the first inning, but then they only scored one run the rest of the game, and they lost a fairly uneventful 11-4 game last night to the San Jose Giants. Never good to lose to the Giants. Obviously, you're seeing Josue DePaula right here. He had a good night last night. So did Kyle Nevin. DePaula had a hit right here that you're seeing. And then Kyle Nevin had a couple of knocks as well. On the bump, Jared Kiros, a little bit of a bumpy night for him. He gave up five runs in five innings, had just one strikeout and one walk. But, hey, he's had a really good year, ERA of 292 on the season. Calvin Ramirez also gave up a couple of runs 
in his one inning. And then David Tiburcio gave up a couple of runs in one and a third innings as well. So, hey, Rancho Cucamonga, they are now 34-26 and 26 on the season, still fighting to see if they can make the playoffs for the first half. If not, then they'll have the second half to do it as well. So, there you go. Rancho Cucamonga, again, losing 11-4 to the San Jose Giants. So there you have it. There's our show for you today. I told you it was exciting, man. You got to talk about the walk-off. You got to talk about, you know, the the Emmett Sheehan call-up. You know, hey, Chris Taylor, by the way, I mentioned we were going to talk about his dramatics and his grand slam. You know, this obviously we remember the, the home run that he hit in the wild card game against the Cardinals a couple of years ago, which was very dramatic. If you go to my Dodgers Daily website, that's dodgersdaily.net, and or just, hey, do an advanced search on Twitter you'll find that wasn't maybe even his most exciting walk-off. He also had a walk-off while he was at the University of Virginia. Okay, his Wahoos were down one run. There was runners on second and third, and there was two outs. So if Chris Taylor gets out, his his team season, the Virginia ball club season, is over. Instead, he gets a base hit up the middle. He scores two runs, and that hit sent his Virginia club to the College World Series. That was the first that I know of, at least, of uh, some of his exciting moments. And also, hey, Chris Taylor, I love these kind of guys. You know, Alex, Alec Gamboa was this way, too. A great wrestler growing up. I know he was like City League champion there in Virginia City or Virginia Beach, Virginia. And, you know, he eventually uh, concentrated on baseball as he got a little bit older. But I love those wrestler backgrounds because they have that great balance and super, super mental toughness because wrestling, just like baseball, it's one-on-one. It's you versus me, and you have to have that competitive element to just want to kick the guy's ass right in front of you. So, hey, wanted to make sure that you knew about all of Chris Taylor's dramatics. This isn't just a Dodger thing, man. He's been doing this, all this, all these dramatics for a long time. So, hey, I hope you enjoyed today's show i also hope that you tune in tomorrow i hope the dodgers and Emmett Sheehan have an awesome game tonight and then so i hope you tune in tomorrow and also just a reminder if you'd like to help dodgers daily by donating we do now have a gofundme account just scroll down to the description and click the link to help dodgers daily by donating also hey don't forget to leave a comment and like this video share this video don't forget to tell all your friends and don't forget to turn on those notifications as always i'd like to thank you for tuning in and say go dodgers